0: <laughs> Making the world a better place <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. show is now The George Wilder Jr. show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Chicago's finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Warner Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad.
1: All right, welcome to the George Water Jr. Show. Thank you for everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for thinking about the show.
0: And uh, we're—I I hope everybody had a wonderful Easter. I hate to date the show, but uh, uh, we had a great Easter, man. I hope you had a great Easter, spending time with your loved ones or whatever you were doing or or whatever you preferred to do. But anyway, as long as you had a great time doing whatever you wanted to do and how you wanted to do it, with or without anybody, um, I hope you had a great one. And uh, Easter has always been a celebration uh, uh, around here. So anyway, welcome to the George Water Jr. Show. Uh, it's, gr- it's a great day in Chicago. It's cold, but hey, well, at least we're above ground, right? And I hope it's nice and comfy where you are. Uh, I mean, I, it just seems like winter just does not want to let up in some parts of the United States, and including here in Chicago, in Illinois. Uh, it's just especially, see, I'm, the, I'm near the lake. We're near the lake. And uh, it's always colder uh, near the lake than it is inland okay uh, i mean you know far far west far south you know it it's it's colder i mean it's warmer actually it's colder near the lake it's always colder near the lake if if it's if it's 50 near the lake then it's probably 60 or 70 inland far west far far south because uh, because, uh we're practically my studio is practically practically on the lakefront you know lake michigan and that cold air come blasting off, <laughs> come blasting off uh, uh, Lake Michigan with the tides rolling in and out and, you know, and impacting everything. You know, Sometimes I think the water's gonna come up over onto the avenue, but it, it hasn't yet. So we don't know what could happen, a tsunami. But anyway, uh, it still feels like winter in the city of Chicago, and I hope it's great where you are. You know? And in some cases, a lot of people, this winter has been a harsh one and a lot of people have been um, uh, housebound you know they have been in their houses because the weather has not been cooperative so they can get out and you know exercise jog walk run you know go to the park and all this kind of thing it's like you know you're a hermit in your own apartment or condo or or home especially uh when you want to get out and you feel that the weather should be getting nice should have been nice a long time ago i mean March just left us, and it was one of the coldest months. Uh, once again, March, uh, you know. And then we now we having April, and it feels like it's the first day of winter. Um, and I've said this a thousand times. It's beginning, or it has, uh, or or that it seems as if the seasons, you know, are uh, are just whacked, whacked out. You know, the winter doesn't know when. When it's winter, and winter could be any time. <laughs> winter could be in May. Uh, the seasons are just whacked out. You know, you never know what, what's going to happen. You can have fall and winter. You can have winter and fall. You can have winter and something. It could snow at any point, any time. I can recall when it snowed actually in June. Yeah, June. I I know May, <laughs> but, but June is it, is whacked out. The seasons are just whacked out. They don't. They can't tell each other apart anymore. Summer, winter, fall, spring, you know, and spring has always been long coming in Chicago. You know, I mean, you could say spring on the calendar, but it doesn't feel like it when you get out there in it. So, joining the show, my guest here on the marquee, I see Kathy Cardio, Cardio, and that's something to ask her if that is her real name, because a lot of people, you know, for whatever reason, they change their name or they have a name that they use uh, for advertising or, or a name that they use for their careers and stuff like that. It doesn't mean that they're trying to hide something. If someone changes their name, it doesn't mean they're trying to hide something. Actors and entertainers change their names all the time. They want stage names. They want better sounding names. And people do it all the time. I, I At one time, I wanted to change my name from George because for years I didn't like it. It just sounded too proper, and it sounded too proper, and it just sounded, you know, I don't know. It sounded like a slave name in in some instances, but I people have said, "Man, why don't you keep the name? It sounds great." Yeah, to you maybe, <laughs> because people have a, so many ways of pronouncing it and saying it. Uh, I've grown accustomed to it, so I'll keep it. Uh, keep it. Um. um the way it is, I keep my name the way it is, and just, you know, and, um, and, uh, and I've discovered too, there's people out here, there's um, people who are having children naming their kids George, and I said, are you nuts, are you crazy, what, what are you doing, George, Ralph, or something, you know, (laughs) Uh, yeah, people are giving their uh, kids, uh, uh, calling their kids, their, uh, their, the George, you know, giving them the name of George. And uh, it it always amazes me when I meet people and three or four of the people, um, young people are named George. And I'm humbled by that. I I don't think they named any of those kids after me because of my show or what I do. Uh, I just thought that uh, I, I, I told this story a million times. I think I wrote about it somewhere. I told, I was uh, working at the uh, Chicago Public Library, this was a billion years ago. And, <laughs> and I don't know, for some reason I took, I, I, I left my workstation to go get the elevator in the building to go somewhere to do something, to meet someone or, or whatever. And I stepped on, the, people always accuse me of lying when I said this, when I say this, but it's true. Uh, I left my workstation uh, and was getting on the elevator. And there was about three or four guys on the elevator. And I discovered that while riding the elevator, I don't know if I was going up and down, I can't remember, but I do know that I was on that elevator um, with three or four guys. And these guys, and every one of them, their names were George. And my name was George. And I said, wow, there was four or five people on the elevator riding with me. And our names were George. <laughs> we were Georges, and and I and I tell this story all the time. I I don't tell it much anymore, but anyway, it was ironic to me that uh, that um, I don't know. It must have been some sort of convention going on in the, in the building at that time, uh, and then someone was saying, "Hey, wow, well, let's get a, get the Georges together" or something like that. And uh, it, I wrote about it. <laughs> And uh, uh, it, it really happened. I, three or four guys, I, I was in the elevator with, and we all were Georges. We started turning around, shaking each other's hand. And I, <laughs> at least they told me that there was Georges. They name were George, And I, I kind of believed them. All right, um, this is the George Wilder Jr. show. Uh, author Kathy Cardio, It All Matters. I'm, I'm pretty sure it all matters. That's probably partial title title to one of her books or her very first book we'll find out later hate lies have no home here uh be nice to one another is so easy people should be nice to one another no matter what the world situation is start being nice to one another that's that's one of the ways i think uh you can make the world a better place by being nice to each other people are so mean and angry and upset and pissed off try to be nice to one another. Stop being evil and mean and just because you get nowhere like that. You can have a heart attack, okay? You can have a stroke (laughs) being mean and nasty and 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 just plain old, you know, uppity. So try to be nice to each other. I mean, try to be there's nothing wrong with being nice, being kind, being sweet. You know, And there are so many times when you can be nice and kind and, and loving to someone and then someone will come along and try to take advantage of that. People would do that. They'll try to take advantage of your, your, your take advantage of your um, goodness or, or your, 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 your uh, what's the word, givingness, your kind heart. They will try to take advantage of that. Well, he's nice. He's he's caring. He's he's loving. And they'll try to take advantage of that. Some people will see a nice smile, a wonderful smile, a great smile. Some people will see that as some sort of a weakness in a person. That really happens in some parts of the world and in some areas. You smile at somebody, oh, my God, we got him. We got her. They'll try to take advantage of that. And sometimes if you try to be nice to someone, very nice, kind, and nice, and respected, and respectful, I should say respectful of someone, they will try to find a way to take advantage of you for that. People, We people will always try to figure out a way how they can scam you. Uh, if, if it's uh, the way you are, the the way you talk, the way you are, the way you, are, the way you present yourself how you come off people will try to take advantage of that and it's a shame but this this is the world we we're in so you really can't walk around and try to be the nicest person in the world because someone's going to say wow that 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 girl over there she's very nice that guy is over there he's very nice he's very kind he's very someone goes well if he's very nice if she's very nice maybe that's something we can do to scam them out of something you know and I think one uh, the most people I think that are vulnerable to, to things like this are the elderly, the seniors. They are too too trustworthy uh, of some people. Uh, even if some of those people come on their television set, you can't believe everything someone says on television. And a lot of elderly people believe everything they hear someone say. Especially if they're on television, on their computer, you cannot believe everything you read. You cannot because it is some of it is actually fake news. The majority of it is, is not. Some of it you, you have to decipher it for yourself because I've seen a lot of fake news, and I have enough. I hope I have enough intelligence to know what's fake and what. But some of the Some of our elder people, they do not, they just fall for anything. And a lot of them end up out on the streets because they've been scammed out of everything. Because they, you know, uh, were taken. You you just, uh, and a lot of them have soft hearts, loving hearts, giving hearts. And the scammers are out there. They know you have a loving heart. You know, I get calls on my cell phone almost every day from the irs saying i owe them money or or i'm going to jail yeah i i get I, I i get emails saying hey wow we need your information for this your your paypal account has expired we need more of your information now i'm um intelligent and uh, you know i have enough intelligence to know that that's not true <laughs> that's not true the people out here i mean i have a whole uh Inbox or, or junk box with, uh, of fake phony people trying to get my uh uh to get my information. I I have friends on Facebook and uh, and around social media that are supposedly contacting me and asking me for information, and I know that's not. Uh, my friend or, or any of them, that's somebody pretending to be a friend so they can try and get information out of me. But I do know that uh, you have to watch yourself out here, your folks. You, you really have to watch yourself. You have to be vigilant. They're out here to get you. They're out here to get me. They don't care if you're uh, six years old or 96 years old. If you have something that they want, they're coming after you. You have to be on your toes. And if you're if you're an elderly person and you have to have help, I mean, you know, have one of your loved ones around you to run your businesses and because it is paramount that we stay on our toes because it's out here. And I can say making the world a better place is starting off. You start off by being nice to one another and understanding and caring and loving. We're out here to lift one another up. We're not thinking about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not in the equation. We have to look over, look over him, look past him and start doing for each other ourselves. Donald Trump doesn't have any empathy, empathy. He doesn't have sympathy. He doesn't know how to how how to feel for those who are in need or in trouble. But we do. We do. So while Donald Trump is out here screwing up the world, we should be picking and lifting each other up and watch out for scams because if they think we're too caring, they're coming after you. This is what they're looking for. You know. So, anyway, you've been listening to the George Walter Jr. show on Block Talk Radio. <laughs> Sometimes I get carried away. The moment I focus on, the moment I focus on saying less, I begin to communicate more. That's a saying, folks. All right. The moment I focus on saying less, I begin to focus more. I guess that's basically saying, be quiet and listen. <laughs> All right. You can always leave comments. Check out my writings. This is uh, this is great. This is springtime. Okay all right you've been listening to the george wilder jr show as i just got through saying i I just uh i have this note in front of me and i'm looking straight at it and says you've been listening to the george wilder Jr. show say it say it keep saying it (laughs) all righty let's um my guest is kathy carrio i'm I'm assuming she's going to call in later and uh it should be some fun folks we've been off i've been off for about three days I did some writing, uh, some posting, and a lot of writing. I do anytime I'm not on, I'm I'm doing writing, or if I'm not doing writing, I'm probably just relaxing and trying to take it all in, or not taking it in, you know. So because sometimes you want to take, sometimes you feel as if you need to escape reality, and that's 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 the way it is with me. I need to escape reality, you know, because and I have to keep realizing that everybody. That every person in the world is not the <laughs> is not uh, the right person I should be uh, affiliated with, or the right person I should be around, uh, because people have their um, quakiness about them, if I if I can say that. All right. Anyway, George Walters on the Junior Show is on the air. We did some writing. I did some writing. I did some. Um, how do I, I? You know, how do you deal? I'm I, I'm wondering how do a lot of writers. I'm, I'm changing the subject right now. I wonder if a lot of writers. How does a, a lot of writers? How do you deal with a bad book review? I, I I've had a few writers on my show, and uh, they all gave me their own interpretation <laughs> of what it's like to get a bad review, and what the and what do they do about it? You know. I mean, I mean, if you're a writer, there's no, there's no writer or published writer or author who hasn't received a bad review on something that they've written. I rather have no reviews than to get a bad review. <laughs> but, you know, it, it just seems so unfair when you spend three or four years working on a book and all of a sudden you finally publish it. You, you work so hard and then you finally publish it and then someone comes along, give you one or two uh, uh, stars, give you a bad review.
2: How do you take
0: that? You work so hard on that book. I'm not talking about myself now. okay? I'm just saying in general. Yes, I have got a few bad reviews uh, and I thought they were unfair. I mean, some of the reviews that I get on my stuff, I think they're unfair, unfair because, I've like I said, you work hard on that stuff. And I usually format and copyright and edit my own material so I know um, before I publish it. But you just got some nasty people out there who just want to go around and just try to destroy your work. <laughs> That's it. I, I, I've told a lot of authors this. you got rotten people out here who want to try and destroy your work. You know, I mean, they can't write. They can't hardly read. They don't have any talent, So. You know, and and another thing, you can't please everybody. I mean, someone can give you a, someone can give you a one star or a two star review, and then you got three people over here on the other side who read the same book will give you a five star review. Some people are just nasty. Some people are just just giving you a bad review because they're just awful, mean, honorary people. Period. And I've told writers that. I've told writers several writers that they just Just because you get a bad review doesn't mean that you have to uh, quit writing, stop writing, stop doing what you love. I mean, Stephen King has received a lot of bad reviews. Danielle Steele, Nora Roberts, these are uh, David Badalchi. These are great writers, beautiful writers. uh, uh, Robert Luglum, who is my favorite writer. Uh, James Patterson. I mean, all of these people have received bad reviews. And they received, received great reviews. So just because you received a bad review of one or two stars and you know that your book is not that awful, you know, yeah, and, because there's no doubt about it. If you get one or, two, uh, one or two star reviews on your book, it will affect sales. It will truly affect your sales. But it will not end your career <laughs> because if you write a bad book, just make sure that the next one isn't that bad. Or or you can always uh, unpublish your book and go, go through the manuscript again, check out the manuscript again and um, correct whatever might be wrong with it or they're saying that something's wrong with it and republish it. Again, I mean, so that's how that goes. That's one of the things about the public publishing industry. If there is something wrong in your book, you can always go back. Even if it's published, you can always go back and unpublish it and then straighten it out, put it back up there. But, you know, if you unpublish a book and you go through the manuscript and you say, what the hell? There's nothing wrong with this manuscript. You know, just change the, um, change the title of the book and Using the same manuscript, but change the title and, and republish it. And then that, you know, that one star, or two star will not show up. Because you don't want no no writer, I believe, wants a one star and two star review on their book. That that looks bad. That looks that That could stop readers from uh, checking out your, your earlier stuff or your current stuff. One star uh looks bad. Two stars look bad because one star two stars is saying that they don't like it. One star is saying they hated it. Now three stars saying that it's okay. You know, but but anything lower than three stars, you have to do something because it will affect your sales and it, and in some cases it can affect your career. So you wanna you want to straighten that out. If you got one or two stars out there, straighten it out. You know, because people will. Because uh, I've had people come on the show. Well, I uh, I said, how is the book doing? Well, the book is not doing well. It's got about one to two stars. You know, because uh, then you have to um, uh, uh, do something about it. Either you're gonna have to check, uh, redo that manuscript, rewrite it, or re-edit it. You know, or or you're gonna have to um, unpublish it because it will affect your career. It will affect the sales of the book. Just because somebody gives you one or two stars on a book doesn't mean that it's a horrible book. As I said, some people are just nasty. They'll give you – some people, uh, uh, that's their goal in life is to go around the Internet, go around Amazon and looking for books to get, so they can uh, just try to destroy them. You know, and uh, this is this happens. This happens. I mean, it happens to everybody. You know, everybody, uh, you know, if you get a five-star review, there's sometimes you get a five-star review on your book. And I've read five, sometimes I've read five-star reviews, and I said, this book doesn't deserve a five-star. Maybe a three, but not a five. You know, some people, and some reviewers are just nice. They will just, anything they read, anything they come across, it's a five-star review. (laughs) I like those kind of folks. I like those. Uh, Anything that you... Come across it it's a five star review okay so i just I just wanted to bring that up because I did get a a two star review, and I thought it was totally unfair. I got a two star review, but earlier for the same story for the same book, I have two or three five star reviews, so I dismissed dismiss that you know and uh I think the book that the story the book that they gave me the five star the two star is totally unfair. You know, I, I don't I don't I, I you know it was just totally unfair because you, you feel that your work is good. It's good. It's good. It's good. I've been told that it's good. It's it's totally good. Good enough for a movie, but some people just nasty. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show on Block Talk Radio. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. It was
1: okay.
3: for walking while black. Um, So I get it. A a lot of sons have been... Yeah, I get it. It doesn't make me... You know, you can't buy your way out of this one. You can't educate your way out of it. Um, It's it's, just happening too much, or at least we know about it now. It's it's always happened. Um, We see more evidence of it. And too often, people still are inclined to say, well, if he'd had a different attitude, well, if he hadn't been driving, well, if he hadn't been this, if he hadn't been that, almost as if the victim is partially to blame, you know, in the case of Garner. Well, he shouldn't have resisted. In the case of Brown, well, where was he? In the case of Trayvon, well, he had a hood on, you know, in, in, in the case of whoever, you know, in case of uh, Sandra Bland, you know, well, her attitude was better. It's like, no, stop. Stop. This has nothing to do with the victim's. This has everything to do with the culture of demeaning a person of color. And, and there is no justification for a society where my son has a far greater chance of being stopped, held, killed than your son simply because he's black.
0: All right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. That's Brian Gumbel. And uh, he's concerned about um, walking while Black. OK. All right. Welcome to the George Wanda Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hello. Hello, Kathy
2: Cardio.
0: Hi. Yes, speaking. How are you? Ha. Hi. You were a little nervous there, weren't you? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I didn't
2: know you guys were calling on me. <laughs> Threw me off a little oh. bit there.
0: Okay, all right. Uh, you know you were going to be on, all right?
2: Yes, that I knew.
0: Okay, uh, author Kathy, you, you. Uh, this is about your book. Uh, all it all matters, or something.
2: Yes, it all matters. The parent project. Yeah,
0: I know and you. It. Yeah, I know you sent me your uh, bio, but I, I like to just kind of wing it a little bit. <laughs> You know, because I like, to be, I like to be surprised, and I'm pretty sure and you're going to uh, 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 benefit. Uh, okay, uh, author Kathy Cardi on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Can you give us a little bit of your bio and talk about your book?
2: Okay, basically the book is about living your life to the fullest and leaving the rest behind. My bio is I am a mom of five children, three grandchildren, actually, oh, wow. and living on Long Island. Security supervisor by trade.
0: Wow, that's great! Five children. Uh, congratulations to you.
2: In in seven years. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I yeah, seven years. Okay, all right. Uh, uh, and what does it? What does the title of your book actually mean?
2: Okay, well, it all matters because yeah. everything in your life matters, whether it's yeah from birth. My book actually takes you from birth all the way through your life until after you pass away. And the reason that I took the parent project is because it's supposed to be, um, there's, there's like 20 motivational chapters about life lessons, uh, very motivational topics, how to go for your dreams, Mm -hmm. how to live your life, the way you feel you should live it, not the way anybody else should feel. And -hmm. then there's a twist that it's actually a memoir to leave your children or spouse, anybody that's important in your life, a dear friend,
0: Okay, so uh, a, lot, a lot of this book is probably based on your real-life experiences.
2: Actually, no, it's not. <laughs> okay, I'm,
0: I'm wrong. I admit it. <laughs>
2: okay. That's okay. Uh, that's okay. It's all good. No, um, I just, you know, unless you're a famous celebrity, nobody really wants to read about you. So the book is actually about the person that's reading it. They actually tailor tell it, tell it to it themselves
0: you know i i i differ a little bit uh and i'm not talking about your book i do think people like reading about other people and uh mm-hmm. that's the intriguing part and i i do think people like reading about other people's uh, memoirs and autobiographies and things like that because uh, um, a lot of people like to see themselves in some of that uh, writing but anyway, uh, let's get back to your book. Um, is it right? Is this and your there are some book?
2: personal, of course. Yes, it is my debut book.
0: Okay, so this is your first book. Are you planning on writing any more in yes, the same vein? Mm-hmm.
2: Not at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> totally <different>. Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: totally different. So this one might totally wind different. up end up being it. This one might wind up in, in being fiction.
2: No, I don't believe in writing anything
0: fiction. Okay, you don't believe in making stuff up. Okay.
2: No, okay. no, there's too much stuff going on that's real, but I don't, I don't make stuff up. No.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, I love fiction, and I also like the right. I, I, I go from fiction to nonfiction. I love fiction. One of the reasons why I like fiction because it's fun. I, it, it's not as stressful like as I do as I think uh, nonfiction is. Fiction is fun. I mean, you can be anything you want to be. You can kill anybody you want to kill. It's just, it's just fun. <laughs> That's
2: a good way to look at it.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, you, can be, you can be the president of the United States. You can be the bum sleeping in the sewer. It's fun, and you can build a story around it. And a lot of times, fiction is not all fiction. There are some true elements to a lot of fiction. You know, so uh, right. you're just you're, – yeah, it's all a matter of preference. There's some uh, elements in there that are that are true and that people can actually see themselves and learn something from fiction. It's not fiction is not, you know, uh, I, I look at fiction as probably as animation or something. But uh, the real fiction, I don't look at it that way. I look at it as fun, enjoying, and kind of taking you away from reality a little bit. You know, you wanna, I was just going to you know what? Yes,
2: Mm-hmm. Sometimes people just need that escape. Yeah. You know, go off okay. into a far-off yeah. place or an imaginary world. So I get it. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So that that's one of the reasons why I love fiction. But sometimes you just have to, uh, some things just have to be real. And people do like to uh, uh, leave reality for a while. And, and uh, you know, I can mm-hmm. tell that.
2: Mm-hmm. So, There's nothing wrong uh, with that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, um, can you read us an excerpt of this book?
2: Um, If you'd like, I could read you the introduction. Yeah, that's fine. I would tell you more about the book. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, It's, you are the most important person in this book. You've already lived many of the chapters, but there's so much more to accomplish, experience, and make known. Are you living life with purpose and excitement? Are you passing push mediocrity by reaching for significant opportunities? Or will you live the... excuse me, we live the regress of not ever trying. It All Matters, The Parent Project is not a book about, not only a book about life lessons, it's figuring out how you arrived to today, navigating your steps to dare to be who you want to be tomorrow and leaving it all behind for generations to come. Have you ever asked yourself the hard questions? Are you living up to the expectations you had for yourself? Are you move, moving forward each day or you have you made the decision to settle? Have you come to the conclusions that you have and the place in your life that you are now because of what you focus on? What effects has that have on living the life you deserve? After reading through the chapters, you will then go on to the question section. Your roadmap will be waiting. No need to blindly figure out the stories or questions that you may have unknowingly left unanswered. It's all there for wow. you. Okay. As you begin
1: to... So answer, the,
2: go ahead.
0: <laughs> No, no. Uh, you, were, were you still reading? I'm sorry
2: yeah i'm still going
0: (laughs) okay go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt
2: (laughs) that's okay yeah a little bit Um, as you uh... begin (laughs) as you begin to interpret the questions your replies may prompt some realizations that you never knew existed you may start questioning your own life and why the responses are what they are this information can assist you in discovering what's next and your own personal steps going forward giving you a chance to rewrite your own stories You will then continue the journey for yourself and others by creating your memoir, answering those questions you never thought to ask, and unwrapping your deepest, innermost thoughts, leaving a legacy behind for your children, grandchildren, and anyone else you choose to. Um, My hope is that you have vast memories to look back on, and what a great thing to be able to share those. Before you know it, you'll be capturing the stories, lessons and of the past, and creating your very own memoir to pass on to your loved ones and future generations. The challenge begins. Start from where you are.
0: Wow, that sounds great. That was beautiful. It makes me want to go and mm-hmm. buy your book. And I, <laughs> I hope everyone out there uh, uh, thought that that was just excellent and uh, to buy your book. And um, it was, uh, the purpose of this book and who should, uh, is it directed at? Who's the audience for the book? The people you're trying to well, reach.
2: Well, if I had to pick a perfect audience, it would probably be parents mm. within the 40 to 50-year age okay. range. And I say that because had I not written this book myself, but I knew about it, I would purchase a copy for my mom, who's still you know, with us. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, my okay. grandparents aren't, which is one of the reasons that I had written the book, because um, I realized there were a lot of questions that I had after they passed away. And while I knew I couldn't change that for myself, Going forward, I can change it for my kids and grandchildren. So it's very generational. And there were about two and a half years of research that went into this book. I said there's a lot of questions in different categories, your family's medical history, um, things from elementary school, things from high school. And it shows how you have developed yourself over the years. Um, One of the examples that I use is what's the story about the day you were born? Most people don't know that story. You know, who was there? What happened? Were there any complications? Are there any extenuating circumstances surrounding the day of your birth or even your conception? You know, these are the things that we just don't think about. ask our parents. Yeah, there's a lot of, I said, there's a lot of research went into this. Um, Like my grandparents, I'd love to know where did they meet and what was their first date like? My mom doesn't know the answers to those questions but my grandchildren will. Wow, that I'll be able to pass it yeah, down going yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but
0: I, one of the things I like about your book, I think you you challenge people in the book. Am I correct? You challenge oh, absolutely. the readers.
2: Mm-hmm. I've had people, um, one of the reviews that I had gotten was, I'm sorry it ended, because it, I felt like <laughs> it really started to make them yeah. think, you know, and one of them, yeah. they just, you know, particularly enjoyed the questions. You know, if you if you decided not to take a job opportunity, why didn't you take it? Would Mm -hmm. have been, you know, what Mm -hmm. would have been different had you taken it? I live Mm -hmm. my life by two words, no regrets. So you got to keep going and you got to keep, you know, living your life, not, not what your parents say, not what your best friend says. Mm -hmm. It's your life. And you can't live your life unless you know what that is. So this book really, really gets to the core questions. And it, it does. It yeah. makes you think.
1: That's one of my purposes in writing
0: it. Well, I, I think you succeeded. I mean, at least uh, uh, with me and to the listeners of the show, I do think you succeeded with that. And it, it's a great book. It's a wonderful book. Um, Thank you. Um, no, no problem. No problem. Kathy Cardio on the George mother Jr. show. And it's something I was dying to ask you. Sure. Is your name actually cardio?
2: Yes, I know. So (laughs) uncommon. So uncommon. Uh, You know, it never. Uh, Years ago, it never wasn't a big deal, but now with you know cardio exercise and this and that, I feel like yeah, exactly. Cut from all that stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of some sort of exercise, you know, for the heart, you know. (laughs)
2: Exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, Actually, funny. So how into a hospital. Go ahead. I go into the hospital and somebody in my family's in there and I say cardio. And you how many times they pointed to the cardiovascular unit? <laughs> you know,
0: that is funny. That, that's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. OK, how is the book doing so far? I mean, how are people reacting to it? It should be um, positive. So
2: far, I, yeah, absolutely. I've gotten very, very positive feedback. I've even given it to
1: mm-hmm.
2: a few friends that I knew would be honest with me. And they said it really Mm -hmm. hit them. It really dug to the core of, um, you know, many things that they never even thought about. And it really, really Mm -hmm. made them think, you know. And um, one of my, actually, my very best friends was terminally ill. And I, that was another reason, aside from my grandparents, that I wrote this book because she had a young daughter who, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you know, she figured that she wasn't going to get to see everything. And um, she wanted her daughter to know how she, you know, she felt. So that was a, that was a big um, reason for writing this.
0: Mm-hmm. And you are planning on writing yeah. another one, something similar, or it's going to be different, but it will be nonfiction.
2: It's going to be an entire, t- entirely different, entirely different. But I mean, non-fiction. the day I sat down to write this book,
1: uh-huh.
2: yes, non- nonfiction, correct. Um, yeah, the other day I decided to write this book, I started writing and then I kind of took a little step back and said to myself, what are you doing? You don't know how to write a book. And if you write it, because everybody says they're going to write a book, you know, <laughs> if you actually complete yeah. it, then what do you do with it? You have no idea how to publish it. And then I said, you know what? Don't don't think about so far ahead. Just keep writing. And that's what I did. Every day, do a little yeah. bit, little bit. Some days better than others. Of course, life gets in the way.
0: Um, yeah, life, life gets in the way. It. You, you, you're exactly right because a lot of I could have finished about 20 books if it wasn't for life itself. But right. when life gets in the way, right. and then you, uh, there's uh, what what they call a brainstorm or brain block or blockage or something. You can't get
1: anything oh, down on paper
0: and yeah, when uh, that happens, you know uh,
1: you have
0: to set it aside <laughs> yeah you have to set it aside or or go to something else that that's you know a lot of times a lot of times when i'm writing i'm doing at least two or three manuscripts different manuscripts at the same time if the first manuscript right. i get a, a writers block on then i'll go to the next manuscript and see if right. and maybe i can write a little bit more there and if i'm writers block on that when i go to this one then maybe i'll come back to this mm-hmm. one i i usually have three Manuscripts in the pot, and you know, and and it w- it all works out. Right. it all works out. And um, it
2: does, but you just have to keep going forward, and you have to remind yeah, yourself and you to keep have going to, forward because other, you know, life does get in the way.
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, did you hear me earlier talking about uh, um, uh, interviews? I mean, reviews, book I, reviews.
2: I did not. I did not hear that. Well, part. anyway, uh,
0: basically, I was saying I, I'm pretty sure you got some pretty good reviews on this on this piece, right?
2: So far, so good. I can't complain.
0: Yeah, but there's a, but there's writers out here, and I've had writers on my show come on my show and say they have they've gotten one and two star reviews, and I always kind mm-hmm. of try to tell people if you get one or two star reviews, do not get depressed, do not feel bad, do not feel like you're a failure, do not give up on writing. You keep doing what you love, you know. Uh, oh,
2: absolutely. You never and, give up.
0: You know, you never give up, no matter what somebody says, because the person that's giving you the bad review could be an asshole, you know. So <laughs> you you really don't well, want to give up on they, writing. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So they say successful people fail more than failures because failures don't try. Successful people <laughs> fail continuously but never give up.
0: Never give up. You never give up your dream because, uh, you know, never you never up. know when, the, when that, that time may come where you may actually be successful. All right. The Kathy Cardio on the George Water Jr. Show, on the George Water Jr. Show. Um, give us the name, of your, give us the title of your book and, and tell us where we title. can find it. Give us some websites and all that kind of thing.
2: Sure. The title is It All Matters, The Parent Project, Mm -hmm. not necessarily Mm -hmm. just for parents, but (laughs) put that in there. Um, You can actually purchase the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. My website is outskirtspress.com slash Kathy Cardio, or you can find me on Facebook at Kathy Cardio It All Matters.
0: All right, Kathy Cardi on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I will tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send you a um, link of the show and you can put it on your website and where, you know, if Thank you're you. talking about your book, you if you're talking about your book, you can people can see the link to the show and they can hear you on the show from your website. I'm gonna do that. And I'm also gonna go on um Amazon and give you re- give you a review.
2: Thank you. For this show. Much book. appreciated. <laughs>
0: no thank problem <laughs> all right
2: everybody make sure
0: you go out there and get the cardio book it all matters whether you're listening to the show live or you podcasting it for later go get that book it's all about you and, and making the world a better place on the george wilder jr show kathy cardio I thank you so much and, and lots of luck to you thank you for
2: having me much appreciated. no problem bye bye mm-hmm.
0: all right uh, kathy cardio on the george wilder jr show and we're going to do dear Mr. Trump. Mr. Trump, it's Dixon white
4: here sending a video letter directly to you, sir. And the only reason I call you, sir, is because the office that you hold is supposed to be a respectable right, office. You. But so I just want to speak directly to you, Mr. Trump, I know you may never get this video. Maybe you will though, because at least I have white skin like you, but first i wanted to applaud you for one thing and only one thing um many racists in politics are very covert so i applaud you for being an open racist and i applaud you for at least letting us see just how racist you are and it's now it's it's well established worldwide that you are a bona fide white supremacist um there's not a nation that hasn't condemned you as a racist. So you have dishonored and disgraced one of the, the highest office offices in the land. But I wanted to say one thing. You made a comment yesterday about shithole countries. Poor, black, brown countries. So because they're poor, because they're black and brown and not white or European, you consider them shitholes. Well, I wanted to give you an accurate definition of a shithole nation. A shithole nation by definition would be a nation like America that allows and tolerates a racist to operate in their highest office, the presidency. That is a shithole nation nation that tolerates a racist president, there is no worse pile of shit or turd in the toilet out of all the other countries than a great nation like America that allows its president to be an open white supremacist and then to allow them to continue to function as president. That's the biggest turd in the pot. Or as you say, so the biggest shithole. Why? Because you, Mr. Trump, are the shit, the turd in the White House that's staining and putting the foul odor all over our nation. And of course, the only reason you're there is because you're a racist. You're a complete and utter idiot with no competency whatsoever to be where you're at. The only reason you're there is because we had a black president and our racist nation wanted a racist president after a black president. So until America can get past its racism, which I don't know if it ever has because there's one thing about black folks, Mr. Trump, black folks have always understood one thing. The more things change in this country, the more they stay the same you are living proof that any white person no matter how racist they are and matter of fact racism is actually more of a compliment in this nation it's like apple pie racism in America they go hand in hand If you're a white American, you're a racist, and you've you've proven that. And not only are you a racist, if you're a racist, you get rewarded for being a racist in this country. Why? Because we are a racist organization called America. Fact. And nothing has changed. In 400 years, what has really changed? We're still seeing black and brown folks executed in the street. Not that you and Jeff Sessions or any of your racist motherfucking cabinet care. You don't give a fuck about justice for people of color. You're all a group of white nationalists. So I just want to tell you, here's one white guy, and I'm telling you personally, Donald Trump, kiss my white fat ass. I hate you, Donald Trump. I literally hate you. And I pray to God, you get impeached. You're an embarrassment to our nation and upon the world. Please do us all a favor and resign. The only people that want you in office are more racist. And yes, I know that our country, the majority of white people are racist. And the majority of white people totally and completely support you. I really believe that. Because if they're not supporting you, then they're silently ignoring your racism. But anyhow, please do us all a favor. In Congress, please act to remove this racist motherfucker and his racist administration, or Congress is no better. Please. Remove this racist motherfucker from office. It's 2018, guys. And if we can't remove this racist motherfucker from office, America is no better than it was 400 years ago.
0: All right. Thank you for that. (laughs) Okay. Teachers flex political muscle and red state strikes. I mean, we got some teachers uh, there. Uh, it seems like thousands of teachers marched um, today on on the state capitals in Oklahoma and Kentucky, Kentucky uh, shuttering schools and demanding that Republican-controlled legislatures vote to increase their pay. Republican-controlled legislatures, first of all, you're going to have to vote these guys out, period, these guys and girls out. Uh, it's, it turns my stomach whenever I hear something that's saying it's Republican controlled, because if it's Republican controlled, it's screwed up. We have to do something about this and stop Republicans from screwing up and stop letting these Republicans in office who are this country. Wreck their states, wreck their districts, don't give a damn, thinking they're above the people, thinking they're above the law, thinking they're above everything because they, we give them a little power when we vote them in office, and they think they're better than we are. No politicians, whether they're Republicans, Democrats, or independent, no politician is better than the people of this country, but they are they act as if they're smarter. They're brighter. They're more intelligent. They can talk better. They can. Uh, they can't do anything. What they can do is try to screw you. At every turn, try to screw you. Okay. The demonstrations come on the heels of a nine-day strike. We're talking about teachers here in West Virginia, where teachers secured uh, they secured a five percent pay raise. In some in some areas around the United States, teachers are totally lowly paid. I think they're but here in Chicago. They're <laughs> they are greatly paid in, in Chicago, because if they weren't, they'd be out there. They'd be out in the streets, too, just like these fo- teachers in uh, Oklahoma and Kentucky and Virginia. Uh, for, for In Virginia, the teachers secured a 5% pay raise in protest um, in Arizona last week, where teachers were red and gathered at the state capitol to, to demand a much uh a larger 20% twenty percent uh, uh, pay raise, when these are red states. I mean, you don't have any, when you, these are red states, you don't have any uh, teacher strikes in blue states, only in the red states, because in the red states, the, uh, the legislature is Republican controlled and that's the end of the question. That's what it, that's why it's happening because it's in, in Republican control and conservatives believe in less government, less money, less everything, you know. So, um, okay, teachers in Oklahoma received a pay raise when Governor Mary Fallin, Republican, signed legislature, legislation last week, hiking their salary as much as six 6000 last year, but they are seeking a bigger, across the board, $10,000 raise. Hmm. Yeah, they're out there in red states. They are out there and they're out there in droves. They want more money. And I used to think for a long time that when the teachers were on strike, you know, and the kids were out in the streets, if they were The kids were at home or out in the streets, running the streets while the teachers were on strikes asking for more money. I used to think that some of these teachers were selfish. I think I've written about it somewhere, that they were selfish and they cared more about their pocketbook than they did those kids. But you got to think about it. Teachers cannot teach if they are not making enough money to take care of themselves, you know. I mean, I've heard teachers say, "Well, I got a car note, I got a house note." <laughs> yeah, they have bills. You know, my phone—I got to pay my phone bill. You know, teachers are saying these things, but I think overall, I think teachers are are being paid pretty pretty well. You know, um, and they and I think they should be paid pretty well. They're educating our kids we've got good teachers, we've got bad teachers, but we have to weed out the bad teachers from the good and uh, pay these teachers. You know what I'm saying? Teachers strike, they flex their muscles. But, you know, I still don't think that the kids should be out of school. Kids should be in school every day of the year. And I do think that the one of the reasons why the teachers are out and about, uh, they want to disrupt education in order... For for the media and everybody to pay attention to them. So they disrupt education. They uh, hold these strikes on school days for for days and weeks. And the kids are out of school. They don't give a damn. They don't care. This is what I think. They don't care. They care more about their own um, welfare than they do these kids. And I believe that some teachers do. Some teachers are dedicated. Some teachers will teach no matter what they're gonna teach because they love teaching, they love the kids. Then you have these greedy teachers who go out there and protest and walk around and with signs while the kids are not being taught. The kids are out in the streets, they're at home, they're running up and down the alleyways instead of being in school. So there's some blame to go around and there is some sympathy for the teachers and there's sympathy that is not for the teachers. And you look at these children and they're in the middle of all of this, you know, and they're the ones who are suffering, not the teachers, you know, because if you're not in school every damn day of the year, that could affect your grade. And majority of these kids, they love being out of school. We don't have to go to school, but that's wrong. And school is not like it used to be. I mean, grammar school, public schools some of these schools are not like they used to be i mean you know and what I mean by that is that four plus four <laughs> excuse me four plus four is not eight anymore it, it's almost like you gotta to get the right answer it's almost like you you gotta uh do a long division to get the right answer on a on a uh uh addition uh problem you know you know and and when you get when and when you're doing the long addition, it doesn't come out to be eight. It comes out to be something else. I mean, I know because I, I used to, this stuff used to come home to me. And I'm saying, whoa, two plus two is not four anymore. I can't believe it. And they would send some sort of a formula, formula or equation or showing you how to come up with the right answers to two plus two. And, you know, I thought it was four. No, it's not. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> education has changed and I think it's changed for the, for the worse. And I, and I will say this, I think a lot of these kids in schools and some of these public schools are getting short changed. I don't think uh, that they're getting a well-rounded education because um, majority of the time, it's not the uh, teachers who are choosing the subject. It's the state that's choosing the subject. It's the legislature that's choosing what's, is being taught in these schools and if the legislatures are republicans well you know they're not getting a well-rounded education in some in some of these states even in some democratic blue states Uh, because in some of these public schools and schools everywhere uh, children they don't have books they don't have books some kids don't even have computers Um, and then and a lot of these kids don't even have homework, and uh, and and I don't think that's right for uh, for them not to not to have these subjects. And some kids don't even have reading assignments anymore. Remember, they used to have reading assignments at home and um, doing homework. In some cases, that's not happening anymore. You know, and a lot of these schools they don't teach history. It, or either they don't teach it the way they used to teach it uh, in depth. You know, I mean, there are some schools that don't even uh, teach uh, what went on back in slavery time. So it, it, it's it's a lot to uh, fathom. But a lot of these schools in America, you may have a few that still do, but some schools in America. Uh, are short-changing these kids. No wonder we have a dumbed-down society. No wonder people are so dumb and so stupid and so ignorant in some areas. A faulty education. We, we want to make America smart. We want to make America intelligent. We want to make America bright. Uh, and happening because education is being dumbed down. I this is nothing. It's nothing to, to do with the teachers. It's the state, the legislature. Basically, it's politics, because the teachers not teaching anything that they're not getting from the state legislature or higher up. In a lot of these schools, a lot of the teach, a lot of the parents are blaming the teachers for this lapse, but it's not their fault. It's the fault of the legislature, the politics, maybe even the Republicans in the red states they don't want to see kids and one of the things about the republicans they want the education gone period they want they want to eradicate it they want to eliminate it period so they really don't give a damn this is why we have to vote to take the country back vote in independents vote in democrats just vote out the republicans and never vote republican again because we know that these people are not good for america they're not good for america if I thought the Republicans were good for America, if I thought the Republicans was a great, great party, folks, I would say it. I would not be. I would would not be so um, negative toward the Republicans. I I said this from the start when Donald Trump was elected and he was finally inaugurated and he became president. My thinking and what I said on this show was that I was that i wanted him to be successful i did not want donald trump to be a failure even though i didn't vote for him i didn't like him but i did not want him to fail because if donald trump failed it means america failed i didn't want him to fail i didn't i wanted him to be successful but he's not uh and he's failing america and he's bringing it down but that's another story for another time, maybe a little later on in the show. But, um, and that's the same thing I want to say for every Republican who wins office or who is in office. I never root for these guys to fail. If they fail, they fail on their own. They fail because they are failures. So they fail. Donald Trump is using is um, using the White House like it's his own little playground. Uh, uh, so uh, I want to thank my guest author Kathy Cardio. Uh, it All Matters. Check out her book. Um, she's on Amazon. Uh, like, I to- like I said, I'm going go to give her a review of the book. And uh, I think I have another uh, review I have to give. But anyway, I love writing reviews. You know, I, I love especially positive. I- I'm not going to write any negative review about any book. It has to be a positive review if i can't give a give a an author a positive review on a book then i will probably probably if i can say it probably um uh, uh contact that author and say hey wow well, take another look at your manuscript and and republish this book you know because i i love giving out a positive reviews on on books that authors that authors who appear on the show uh uh I think it's great. It's a great review because reviews, a po- reviews, doesn't mean that your book is going to sell. But a positive review looks good beside your book than a negative review. And that's and that's no kidding. A positive review looks better than a negative review. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. The Jr. Show is now on the air.
5: what I call freedom well you wanna do you wanna say I let the children play while they wanna play and work when you wanna work Learn when you wanna play
6: John Garamendi of California. Congressman, thanks very much for coming in. To be here. If Stormy Daniels uh, was physically threatened, as this allegation has now come forward by someone close to the president in order to try to cover up this affair, well, that would be a very serious matter. Should there be, in your opinion, a criminal investigation? I just don't know.
0: to the polls tomorrow. Joining us now to talk about that our CNN political commentator Ed Martin, who supports Moore, and Alan Navarro, a CNN political commentator who opposes Moore's candidacy. Great to have both of you. So, Good morning. Um, Ed, yeah. you support Roy Moore. I mean, you just you heard bet. Chris delineate all of those positions.
2: <laughs> are you comfortable that um, America was great, he thought, when we had slavery, because that's when families are strong and we had direction? Are you comfortable that he called yeah. the Islam a
7: fall?
8: Tom Steyer is uh, back with an ad that he has produced uh, calling for Donald Trump's impeachment. And he wanted to put it on a place where he knew that Trump would would see it. And so of course he chose Fox and Friends. Uh, Let's see what it looks like.
6: He's brought us to the brink of nuclear war, obstructed justice at the FBI, and in direct violation of the Constitution, he's taken money from foreign governments and threatened to shut down news organizations that report the truth. If that isn't a case for impeaching and removing a dangerous president, then what does our government become? I'm Tom Steyer, and like you, I'm a citizen who knows it's up to us to do something. It's why I'm funding this effort to raise our voices together, and demand that elected officials take a stand on impeachment. A Republican Congress once impeached a president for far less. Yet today, people in Congress and his own administration know that this president is a clear and present danger who's mentally unstable and armed with nuclear weapons. And they do nothing. Join us and tell your member of Congress that they have a moral responsibility to stop doing what's political and start doing what's right. Our country depends on it.
8: So if you thought that the president might not have seen that because he was doing some important government type stuff, you haven't been paying attention this year. Yes, he watched it. He immediately tweeted about it, wacky and totally unhinged Tom Steyer, who has been fighting me and my Make America Great Again agenda from beginning, never wins elections. Which is a direct response to the charges and it's not. So look, he's pushing for that. He's, I guess, able to, I'm surprised that Fox actually ran the ad in the first place. I have recently read just this week that their ad revenue is down 17%. So it's possible that they They can be less choosy about the ads. But Fox and Friends is a popular show, I think, at least in the White House, it polls very well. And so they decided to run that. Now Fox and Friends audience was not happy, they were deluged with a torrent of tweets, And comments on the articles about it saying that they had been taken over by commies and Jews and that's why they were doing this, that they were just in it for the money. Mm -hmm. And this, man, audiences really expect consistency in a message. Because if there's anybody who has earned, for better or worse, protection from the charge that they're not sufficiently pro-Trump, isn't it Fox and Friends at this point? Like They've done nothing but help him and praise him for a year. But they run this one ad and people are leaving their show. They're not watching anymore. Yeah, I don't believe them anyway. Yeah, I don't believe.
9: Look, uh, that's why they were probably particularly angry. They're like, this is a bubble, you're not supposed to allow opposing viewpoints into this bubble. Yes. It really disturbs us. But people who huff and puff and say they're gonna leave, I mean, just check the comments below. (laughs) Okay, they never leave. (laughs) They're like, oh, next time.
10: You do this again, but no, there's a lot of like, I'm gonna change the channel. To what? To reality? Like, good luck with that, buddy. I don't not know. There's a so lot well.
7: of new uh, right-wing channels. The hotel I'm staying at, there's there's really? so many new ones. Newsmax has a 24-hour that's channel, true. and uh, uh-huh. what is it? is it? One America or OAN? Yeah, OAN. Yeah. The- yeah I, was, uh, I was watching it yesterday. That's true. I was like, Uh-oh. maybe they're the friends of Fox and Friends. You know, so <laughs> I always yeah. wonder. I always yeah. watch yeah, Fox okay. and Friends. I'm like, who are the friends exactly? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know who friends? True, because all those people are employees. Yeah. Everyone's being paid to here. I think it'd be something. cool if there was a crossover with the actual show, Friends. And, and like, <laughs> that's what I always thought it was. Someone can web that together, and <laughs> like, like, let's have Fox and Friends, you know?
10: just have,
9: let's have <laughs> yeah. Steve
7: Ducey dating uh, somebody on that show.
10: But they need the revenue. I mean, if they're going to keep on paying out, like everyone who accuses their their hosts uh, of, of sexual assault and they have to silence them, thirty two million dollars for true. Bill O'Reilly, man. You need the money. I get it, Fox. Um, But I actually thought that this was a pretty effective ad. I mean, he's calm. Uh, He is, those blue eyes, those like steel blue eyes (laughs) staring at you as the camera just slowly pans in. I thought it was effective. I just thought that the messaging could have been a little different. I think it could have just been like, Donald, seek therapy. Mm
1: -hmm. Like Mm
10: -hmm. We know you need help. We wanna help you. Step down, buddy. You can golf. (laughs)
9: <laughs> Every day, you uh, can do that anyway. So, um, my—I want to get to Tom Steyer's message too, but for, first, I like Trump's message. Steyer never wins elections. Good reason for that—never run for one. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Was, o for <laughs> O. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
9: okay. I assume that he means the money that he puts into elections. Yeah. Right. And of course, that's not true either. He's won. He's lost based on who he's funded. Anyway, uh, so. I think that the Steyer ad is, is smart in a lot of different ways. They, they're they gonna rally everybody to their own side. It was smart to run it on Fox and Friends to get under Trump's skin, who is, they know cannot help
8: himself and yeah. will give you free publicity. Which is a tactic John Oliver's used a couple of times, he's run ads on Fox yeah. and Friends.
1: Yes.
9: And so really well played, I think it was super smart, they're gonna get a lot of people on their side. and you know. And Steyer is a very wealthy, he's a billionaire, he's a progressive. And he's not looking to take the money that he uses and create benefits for himself like tax cuts. Mm-hmm. He is not arguing for that, right? And so it's not out of self interest, except for the fact that the main money that he spends is to try to fight against climate change. So I guess he's got a conflict of interest cuz he'd like to stay alive. He's got it. All right, can-dash. okay. Yep. And he wants his
8: uh, kids and grandkids to have a planet. Can, can I play devil's advocate for just a second? Yeah. Uh, like I, I, I agree with basically what, what they said there, and certainly he's, he's free. To, if he wants to pay for an ad, you can pay for an ad, I guess. It happens all the time, corporations do it. Uh, so, but it does make me a little bit uncomfortable that we have this class of people, and some of them are progressives and pro-environment and all that, who are so wealthy that they can unilaterally just produce these political ads. And like, I don't know that anything he said there was inaccurate, so maybe this isn't a good example for me to criticize, and I'm glad that Fox ran it. But it is still just more advertising coming from the direct point of view of a billionaire. Like, I agree with this one. But yeah. that they can just like they could buy out all of the ads. Sure. If they the want.
7: country is billionaire versus billionaire yeah. versus billionaire. We just have to hope all.
8: that the right billionaire wins, well, and that's a shitty position to be in.
7: Because of that subtitle in that commercial, we we know he's an American citizen. So
8: <laughs> mm-hmm. well, that was my favorite part. Yeah. American
7: <laughs> citizen. I just love that. Yeah. <laughs> so like, just okay. in case
10: you're worried, you yeah, say-
7: can relax.
9: All right. Well, look, this uh, be balanced here, and uh, I'll join the fray of uh, you know slight criticisms here. Uh, one is American citizen looked really goofy. Totally yes. agree. <laughs> like, come on, dude. We, I mean, you could have wrote written Homo sapien, yeah. right? Like <laughs> <A> human being. <laughs> we know, we know, we know. It's like a way of saying not billionaire, not running for office. Okay. But let's keep it real. One day, Tom Steyer <laughs> might run for office. Okay, and he is a billionaire. I don't have any problem with billionaires doing the right thing. I love it. That's wonderful. Uh, he should give money to Wolfpack. He can't give money to Justice Democrats because they don't take uh, big donations like that. But he, but Wolfpack does. Go ahead. Is this part um, of the
1: two, <laughs> too strong, too strenuous? <laughs> no. Okay. No, it's okay, got okay.
9: Nothing okay, to do with that. Okay. And look, and if he's going to run for office, and and a lot of people sign that petition, that's probably a good move too. I get it. Uh, so. Look, overall, there's not that many people doing the right thing. He's doing the right thing. Yeah, I'll take it on a run. I agree. Uh, yeah. And 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 it's okay to put his message out. Um, and if he wants to spend all whatever he has, one point whatever billion on doing great things, including in the media, including buying ads, I think that's actually lovely. Yeah. I just want to prevent uh, even good guy billionaires, like to John's point, of being able to buy elections. Yeah. You know? Right. You know, and so. And that's different. Here he's not right now there is no election. Yeah. He's he's not trying it's to influence advocacy. It, it is. Right. It is actual issue yeah. advocacy as opposed to hey vote for X and don't vote for Y, yeah, yeah. which I think is is definitely different. And he should my only last tiny criticism is speak up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little too whispery. No, I like yeah. that. I'm <laughs> i glad you he like brought it, up more ominous. Okay.
7: I'm glad he brought up the you know the criticism of Trump's you know irresponsibility in dealing with North Korea. And the you know the threat of nuclear war—it's yeah. like, because to me it seems like there's there's almost no anti-war movement going on. Yeah. You know, people talk about all different issues, but when it comes to war, it's like almost nothing going on. And yeah. just painting Kim Jong Un as oh he's the evil, he's the evil crazy one—it's yeah. like we're the only country to ever use nukes on anybody, and, you know, we, and we did it twice, you know, and now they're already talking about. Tactical nukes, you know, these little nukes. More usable do, ones. Yeah, just you know, they won't cause much damage. Just yeah. tactical, <laughs> tactical nukes. And yeah. Yeah. Trump's so yeah, so it's, it's it's terrifying, that. you know. Well, and and so I'm glad he threw that in there. Because it seems true. like that's not even in the conversation these days.
8: Hopefully if you scare people enough about the threat of nuclear war in this one particular instance, you can then build on that. That we shouldn't just get out of this situation. We should get out of the like decades-long situation yes. where multiple people have access to enough weaponry to destroy the entire world let's not have that situation even if Donald Trump's not there even if it's Barack Obama or someone who seems sane even maybe they shouldn't have the capacity to kill every human that is, exists well
9: last thing is to just to, to double down on what Judah and John are saying I, what, what I'm most concerned about when it comes to Trump is his mental stability in regards to North Korea particularly and so you know impeachments that's fine and it's a good strategy that that they're pursuing. Uh, I think the 25th Amendment actually it should be incredibly rare, but this might be a rare instance where we should consider using it. Uh, and, and we even have a, a petition on that or a poll on that, tytnetwork.com slash 25th, because that he might not be stable enough uh, to be President of the United States. And I think he's a literal danger to the world. And I'm not the only one saying that now, and now you have Republican senators like Bob Corker and Jeff Flake and John McCain, and former presidents like. Obama, but also George W. Bush yeah. coming out and making speeches about yeah. how, watch out, he's not stable. And, yeah, and this and is coming from George W. Bush. Yeah, so, so I just think away, he knows
8: either. that go world, away, <laughs> yeah, I, I think. Anyway, just for context, one final point <laughs> in, in terms of whether the public might actually take to this message from Sarah right there. Uh, Public policy polling in this month actually found that 48% of the public support impeaching Trump while 43% oppose. The group notes that this is the fifth month in a row we find voters in support of impeachment.
0: If you like the Young Turks, you'll love Young Turks. Ladies and gentlemen, the George Wilder Jr. Show has now arrived. Oh everybody out there and have a great weekend. Have a great evening, whichever one comes first. Bye-bye everybody. Join me tomorrow. Bye.